what you need to know. Jesus, on two occasions, references the book of Jonah. And on one of those occasions, he references the story of Jonah in the belly of the great fish, comparing it to his death and being in the tomb for three days. So since Jesus gives it credibility, we need to as well. Uh, the book of Jonah is a very short book, but I think it's a very misunderstood book. Um, in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah, God comes to Jonah, who is a prophet to Israel, and says, I want you to go and preach against Nineveh. Nineveh was one of the arch enemies of Israel. They did horrible things to the Israelites when they took them into captivity. They had a horrible history of when they conquered somebody, they were, they were just ruthless. Um, you know, they, it was almost like they took the moral standards, whatever, whatever lacks moral standards you have in war, they took them and threw them out the window. And so um, Jonah's conflicted. Does he go and try to save his enemies or does he run? And so Jonah heads down uh, on the main travel road. He gets to a point where there's a crossroads. One way is to go Nineveh and do what God said. The other way is to ignore God and get on a boat. And he gets on a boat. He heads to a place called Tarsus, which is the farthest place in the known world at that time, uh, right on the edge there of, of, of civilization, kind of as they knew it at that point. Uh, 500 miles to Nineveh, 2,500 miles to Tarsus. And, and uh, you know, if you know the story, chapter 2, the storm comes up bunch of pagans on the ship start praying to their God, throwing stuff overboard. They cast lots, a lot falls on Jonah. They say, who are you and what have you done? And Jonah said, well, I'm a Hebrew. I serve Yahweh, and uh, the only option you have is to throw me overboard. And uh, they tried their best to do what they could. They couldn't. Finally, they had to throw him overboard. Um, in chapter 3, it's interesting because um, uh, we find Jonah in chapter three, uh, or at the end of chapter two, in chapter two, he gets thrown overboard and he prays. And it's interesting, it's the first time Jonah prays in the story. And you're gonna see it again today uh, for the second time that he prays, two very, very different prayers. But in, in chapter three then, Jonah, uh, chapter two, he prays, fish throws him up, he's on the shore, chapter three, he goes to Nineveh. We talked about this last week. He walks into Nineveh, he preaches a five word Hebrew sermon um, and a whole town, a whole city turns around and turns to God. And God says, I'm not going to um, spare them, or I'm not going to, to enforce my judgment upon them. Nineveh was a city by conservative estimates of 600,000 people. To put that in perspective, the city of Omaha is 466,000 people. So you're talking about a city that turned to God larger than the city of Omaha. Um, this is great. I mean, if you're a prophet, if you're God's man, you know, man, can you argue with results like that? I mean, you know, you preach a five-word message and, and hundreds of thousands of people turn to your God and listen? I mean, how exciting is that? Not so much. Um, not so much. Because you see, these were the enemies. This is the last thing that Jonah wanted. And so Jonah had no desire or whatever else to see this happening. And so you're going to see some insight. And we talked about this last week, the idea that that um, God wants obedience from us. Um, and I shared with you last week that I thought Jonah's heart was heart far from God. You're going to see this morning why I said what I said. So again, a whole city turns to God. God steps back and says, you know what, I'm not going to destroy the city. And here's what the text says regarding, um, regarding Jonah. Um, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. There's God's man for you. Great revival, people have turned to God, 
people have listened to your message and Jonah is mad. In fact, if you could read this in the Hebrew language, it says that he is very, very angry. In fact, one translation, uh, listen to how one translation saw it. He saw it as evil. Literally, it was evil to Jonah with great evil. Jonah stepped back, looked at what God did, and said, this is wrong. This God is evil. What you have done, God, in saving these people is evil. In fact, it's not even evil. It's a great evil. That's how he felt. He was mad. He was mad because, you see, in Jonah's world, this isn't the way it should have happened. In Jonah's world, God's people should have been taken care of and not God's enemies get saved, not God's enemies get delivered. God's enemies should have been destroyed. And Jonah's upset because God's enemies weren't destroyed. God's enemies were given another chance. By the way, this is from a guy who got a second chance. But he's mad. He is incredibly upset with this thing. Because here's the thing. He didn't think God knew what he was doing. Now when I say that, that seems harsh, doesn't it? How many of us have been there? God, why'd you let this happen? You shouldn't have done it this way. God, you were supposed to do it this way. This is what he is. He's looking at this situation and he's mad. He is incredibly mad. Some people think that he was embarrassed because he is a prophet and said this was going to happen and now it didn't. Some people think that he was upset because Israel was now going to be upset with him because the Ninevites lived when God was going to wipe them out and Jonah was the one who helped save them. We don't know, but Jonah is just mad. So what's interesting is he now is going to pray. Okay? Because that's always an awesome thing to do when you're mad. Um, and, so it, and so Jonah's going to start, and the next thing he's going to do is he's going to start praying, and here's what he said. And he prayed unto the Lord. And he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Didn't I tell you so? Therefore, I fled unto Tarshish. You want to know why I went to Tarshish? Because I knew you were a gracious God. And you were merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. And you repented of evil. You changed your mind and you didn't destroy them. Therefore, O Lord... Take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is the guy. This is the guy. And I told you, when we introduced this whole Jonah thing, one of the things about Jonah is chapters 1 and 3 parallel chapters 2 and 4. And it's interesting. Look at the prayer in chapter 2 and the prayer in chapter 4. In chapter 2, he's asking God to let him live. In chapter 4, he's asking God to take his life. But notice what he says, because this is, this is insightful, because this is, this is not a prayer of praise, this is a prayer of complaint. Here is his complaint against God. Here's why he's mad at God, okay? Number one, I knew you were gracious. You should not be gracious to my enemies. But I knew that you're the kind of God who would give them a second chance. And I knew that about you. That's why I didn't want to go to, to Nineveh. Because you were going to give them a second chance, and I don't want them to have a second chance. And notice what he goes on to say. And you are merciful 
He looks at him and he says, literally the word in the Hebrew language is the word that we use for mother caring for a child. You're like that mom with that little child who just takes care of it and coddles it and makes sure that it's okay. You're that mom that goes, oh, you're crying, honey, I'm going to go take care of you. Instead of just looking at him going, you know what, get over it. You know, get over it. No, 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 a mother doesn't do that. A mother takes care of that little child. He says, that's the way you were, God. That's the way you are, and that's what I'm mad about. And that's what he goes on to say. And you're slow to anger. I think it's interesting. An angry guy is accusing God of not being angry. He says, you're just way, you're just, you just, you're not even mad at this, God. You should be mad. These are the people who are killing your people and you're letting them off the hook. You need to be quick to anger like me because I'm mad. Notice what he goes on to say. And of great kindness. This is the Hebrew word hesed. It's the same concept that we have. When we talk about God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, it's the same idea in the Old Testament. This is the idea that God, here's what's fascinating about this idea. This is the idea behind, when you read the Old Testament and you realize how much Israel gripes and complains and God keeps doing things for them, okay? You remember that? You go in the Old Testament, it's like they gripe and complain because they didn't have water, God gave them water. And then they got to another spot and God, they griped and complained. God gave them manna and they got tired of the manna and they griped and complained. And then God gave them meat. And you, when you read the Old Testament, you keep going, God, why don't you just wipe these people out and start all over? Hesed. Because God is loyal. Because God is loving. Because God is kind. Because God keeps working with his people. Because God keeps wanting them to have another chance. And he said, you're of great kindness. I knew this about you. And that's why I'm mad. And you repent of evil. You change your mind. You said you were going to wipe them out. You should wipe them out. Your God, do what you said you were going to do. And I'm mad about this. This is a guy who's just preached the greatest revival in all of the Old Testament. More results than anybody has ever seen. Jeremiah, Moses, Noah, everybody. And this is his attitude. Boy, don't you want a heart like Jonah? He's mad. And then notice what he says. Therefore, Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life. You know what, God? If you're going to be this way, kill me. Because it'd be better to be dead than to put up with a God who's acting like this. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> this guy's pretty bold. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you're God, and this is your guy, what do you do next? I mean, this is really easy. God goes, don't have to listen to that no more. You learn a lot, and we're going to talk about this in two weeks. You learn an awful lot about God in this passage. You already have, but you learn even more in how he deals with his people, even his people who, whose heart is far from him. So notice what God does next. I love this. Then said the Lord, do you well to be angry? Jonah, are you listening to yourself? 
Is this really something to get mad about, Jonah? I mean, God doesn't give him this big, long tirade. God doesn't wipe him off the face of the planet. God, doesn't, God just looks at him and says, hey, Jonah, i got a question for you. Are you really mad about this? I mean, it's like fuel in the fire if you're, to a mad person. He said, Jonah, do you really do well to be angry? Now, if you're Jonah, and God has asked you a question, you answer it, right? No, you don't. Jonah goes out of the city, sits down on the east side of the city. He made him a booth, sat under the shadow that he might see what would become of the city. So here's what he does. Jonah, do you do well to be angry? In his mind, Jonah's saying, you bet I do. And Jonah goes, and if you're a Jew, if you're in Israel, every year you, you, you did what was called the Feast of the Tabernacles, or the Feast of the Booths. And what you would do is the Jewish people, once a year, would go outside of the city, they would build a little booth, and basically it was, think of it as a, a bunch of, of, of sticks and some leaves over top of it. You would live in it for a week, and the Jewish people did it as a reminder of the children of Israel who traveled for 40 years in the wilderness. And what happened is you would then go back to your home at the end of a week and appreciate all the things that you have. You would appreciate running water. You would appreciate a, a, a solid roof that didn't leak. You would appreciate all of the things that you had because it was a way of... Now, in American culture, we like to think that we do that when we go camping. But I've seen what you camp in. That is not the concept of the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, okay? The Feast of Booths would be, if you really wanted the camping experience to appreciate what you have, you basically walk into the, into the woods and live there for a week. No tent, no TV, no cell phone, no anything. You just live off of the land for a week. That's the concept. Then at the end of that week, you would come back and you appreciate things, okay? And then you also realize how much stuff you really don't need uh, because, you know, the, the pretty simple, simplistic lifestyle. That was the idea behind the Facebook. So that's basically what he does. He goes, he gets a bunch of sticks together, he builds them a, a, a thing, he then sits down. Now, you gotta, again, you don't miss this. He now sits down on the hill. All right, God, I'm going to see what you're going to do. You said you were going to wipe them out at the end of 40 days. I, and I don't know what day it is. It's day three. 37 more days of this. I don't know. We don't know. It might have been day 39, and he's going, okay, it's day 39. You said you were going to wipe them out. Don't make me a liar. Why? Because what does Jonah want? Jonah wants them gone. Jonah, Jonah is hoping that the repentance is fake and that God will wipe them out because that's what Jonah wants. And we're going to stop here this morning, but this is where I want you to see God's man. God's guy is sitting there going, come on, God, wipe them out. Wipe them out. God, look, I'm your guy. I'm for your people. I love your people. I am a Jew. I am an Israelite. We are your chosen people. They have persecuted you. They have persecuted us. They have put us in slavery. They've done all kinds of horrible things to them. And now's your chance to send them a message that you are done with them forever and ever and ever and wipe them off the planet, God. And I'm here to watch it happen. 
Because they, God, and this is the key, are the enemy. Now, that's where we're going to end it today. And I want you to think really hard about that, because in two weeks we're going to talk about where it goes from here. Because here's what I want you to wrestle with. If you're God, how do you handle this? I mean, I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to put up with this. Some of you, that's your view of God. But let's just remember, God saved a horrible, wicked people who had done horrible things to his people. Because he's kind and gracious and merciful and hesed and loving. Because God's concerned about his people. So a couple of takeaways that I want us to kind of wrestle with as we go throughout the, the week and some things to think about. Um, here's the first one. What makes you angry? What is it that, I'll go back to my, what makes you angry? Because you see, what makes you angry tells you a lot about your heart. I mean, when you actually go through this, look at what Jonah's mad at. Jones, Jonah is mad that God didn't do what, God is, he is mad that God didn't do it the way Jonah thought it ought to happen. Have you ever gotten there? I mean, we do this with God, don't we? I mean, we look at Jonah and we go, oh, how could everybody do it? We do the same thing. God, you don't understand. I was supposed to get that raise. And I'm mad because you didn't get me that raise. God, you don't understand. I shouldn't have this problem right now, and I can't believe that I have this health problem. I mean, I've done all of the stuff that you're supposed to do, and I take all the vitamin stuff, and I do all of the supplement stuff, and I do all of the exercise stuff, and, and, and that guy over there, I mean, have you seen what he eats and drinks? Why is he alive and I'm struggling with health issues? It should be my way, God, not, not that way that it is. Don't we go there? How come this came into my world? My world's not supposed to be that. My world, I'm trying to live for you. I'm trying to do what's right. And since I'm trying to do what's right, you should, do, you should be in my corner. Is that not what Jonah's saying? Israel's doing the right thing. And instead of wiping out our enemies, you have saved our enemies. And it's not right, God. We go down the same track. You need to take a good hard look at what makes you angry. Because it's a, it's, it's a little window into your heart. It's a little window into your life of what's really, really going on. And I'm going to challenge you because I think sometimes we blow this off. And I think sometimes we, we, we don't take a good hard look at there are some things that should make you angry. But you handle, like, you handle anger like we talked about in Ephesians. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. In other words, you deal with your, the anger. The anger should be a motivation to go do something that is right and wholesome, not something that is sitting in a booth on a hillside waiting for God to wipe out a bunch of people. And so Jonah here has to take... Look at what he's angry at. He's angry that God is good and kind and gracious and forgiving. And yet, here's the crazy thing. All of the things that he was mad at God about were things he had experienced in chapter 2 when he was in the fish. In other words, it's like, God, it's okay for you to do those things for me, but don't do them for anybody else. That's an incredible application for us to think about. 
Here's the second thing. And I think this is, if you were to ask me what I think the whole key to the book of Jonah is and what I think is at the source of the book of Jonah, here it is. You can have the right theology in your head and still have a heart that's far from God. Okay? I, I think that's the major lesson in the book of Jonah. You can have your theology right and it had never reached your heart. Um, I came out of this world, so I understand this world very, very well. I came out of a world where I was taught to have the right theology, and I think that is important. I think what you believe is so important, and I think it needs to be solid, and I think it needs to be sourced in the teaching of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, and I don't think it should ever, 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 ever change. We're talking about theology. We're talking about what God says. I don't care what culture does. I don't care what society does. I don't care what anybody tells me. The bottom line is, if God says it, it's settled. It's done. Period. That's where I stand. Okay? But I think what happened in the life of Jonah is this. I think Jonah was more politically oriented than he was spiritually oriented. Let me explain to you what I'm saying. When Jonah looked at the Ninevites, all he saw was the enemy. That's all he saw. They are the enemy. He never saw them as people. He never saw them as souls. He never saw them as people that God loved and cared about as well. All he saw, they are the enemy. I want the enemy gone. That's all he saw. That's why he's sitting on a hillside waiting for God to wipe him out. He wants him gone. I think the implications of that for the church in 2019 are huge. Because I think one of the things that's happened in Christianity is we've become Jonah. We have taken political issues and we have made people the enemy, and we no longer see human beings and souls past that. I'll give you an example. Many of you, like me, do not believe in abortion. So we see the issue of abortion, and we want it ended, and we stand against it. Awesome. We do what we can to, to, to do everything. We, but we forget that behind that issue, there are real people. There are people who are struggling. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are trying to have a very difficult time with a very difficult decision. But all we see is the enemy. And we think nothing of going out onto social media and posting things about the issue and not thinking about the people behind the issue. Does that make sense? We take this LGBTQ thing that's going on in our culture. And we look at that. And we go, that's wrong. And we forget there's a group of people behind that who God loves and God cares for and God wants to help and wants to reach. And they're real genuine people who are struggling and having a hard time. And part of the church has said, our answer to that is to change our theology. No. The answer to that is to allow our theology to stay the same, but allow our heart to be changed where we genuinely see those people as people. 
as real people. And we don't allow the issue, the politics, whatever it is, to hinder the idea that we see them as people. I'm going to get even closer. If I haven't gotten you yet, and we're going to get closer. <clears throat> you have, many of you, a political affiliation. You know, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Martian, whatever it is, okay? You have some political view, and you see the other groups as the enemy. I don't understand why they are so... I have to be careful because there are children here. I don't understand how they are so unwise, okay, that they cannot see it. Because I get, I get called on it when I get home, okay. Um, it, 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 Grandpa, you're not supposed to say that word. So not wise people, okay, uh, not wise people. And we say, I, I, we, we, we post stuff about them and we talk about them and we, and we forget that there are real human beings behind that because all we see is the enemy here's the thing jonah was fine being a recipient of god's grace goodness love mercy and kindness but because he saw an enemy he didn't want them to be a recipient of it all he could see the issue. And I think for 2019, as we're heading into another election, I cannot believe we're heading into another election. And, and, and I'm, honestly, I love Iowa. If there's a reason to move away from Iowa, it's because we're the first in the caucus thing. So it's like we have to deal with it all the time, you know, uh, you know and, and, and I get that. But we get into this world, and it is so easy to see people as the enemy and not see the real human beings behind the story. And Jonah, and you're going to see this in a couple of weeks, Jonah never saw that. All Jonah saw was the issues. And here's the thing. You go through his theology in, in Jonah chapter 4. He is right on the money. His theology is solid. But never reached his heart. It never reaches heart. And listen, folks, we do not want to be a church. We do not want to be followers of Jesus Christ who go down that road. I am not talking about changing what you believe. I'm talking about changing the way you practice it. Because here's the thing. Every one of us would agree that God has been incredibly kind and gracious to us when he shouldn't have been. Every one of us would believe that God has been incredibly forgiving to us when he shouldn't have. Every one of us would believe that God was slow to anger in our lives in judging us when he gave us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get it right. Every one of us would agree that God has been more than loyal and loving and doing everything he can to try to get our attention. And when he should have just squashed us like a bug, instead he continued to work in our lives. So there's a question. If God's done that for you, why is it that you can't do that for other people? Or are you going to let that thing, that politic, that position, that mindset of they're the enemy to keep them from experiencing what you have experienced? 
That's the lesson of Jonah. And so my question to you this morning is very, very simple. Who is it that God wants you to reach out to? Who is it in your office, in your workplace, in your community, in their thing, that you know needs God's grace, mercy, forgiveness, love, compassion, loyalty, second chance, whatever else? Who is it out there that you have been very critical and judgmental of and you have used that as an excuse to not share with them what you need to share with them? Who is it that you know needs the message of Christ, but you refuse for whatever reason because, you know, I mean, you know, because I'm of this party and, you know, I mean, I don't want, you know, <laughs> I don't want a Martian to get saved. I mean, really, <laughs> you know, you know, um, you know, I mean, they're not my political party. So, you know, I don't, you know, then they'll become one of those Christian Martians. Oh, no, now we got a real problem. You know, I, you see what I'm saying? We've got to get past that stuff. We've got to get past that. Otherwise, we become just like Jonah. Oh, God, thank you that you're this and this and this and this and this and this and this. Now wipe them out. Get rid of them so we don't have to deal with them anymore. No. No. And I want to challenge you because I know there's somebody, and I'll tell you who it's probably going to be. It's the person who, it's the person who annoys you the most at work. That's who it is. Okay? that person who every time you come in you go dear god help me you know that's the person that person in the community when you see them and they're going this way you go i I gotta get something back at home just remember that that's the person it's that person you're dodging the most that's probably the person that needs Christ the most too. And God's put you in their path. And you're the one that's to be the hero. You're the one that's to stand up. You're the one that's to do what you need to do and share with them what God has done in your life. That's what we're called to do. And we have to get past this idea of seeing people as the enemy and see them as human souls that Jesus Christ died for and cares about. I had a guy say it this way to me, and it's kind of stuck with me. You won't see another eyeball this week that Jesus Christ doesn't care about. You won't see another eye. Anybody you see, whether it's a cashier, whether it's somebody waiting on you at the store, whether it's somebody you're doing business with, whether it's somebody that in some social setting, God cares about them. And God wants them to experience the same things you have experienced as a believer. And his challenge is for you to take that message to them and not see them as the enemy. Jonah has the right theology, but his heart is so far from God. In fact, I think Jonah is one of the saddest stories in all of the Bible. And I'll get that to that in the next two weeks when we end it. Where God, God, God and, and I love the way the book ends because it's not the way you should end. You know, it, it, you think it's going to end a certain way or it should end a certain way, and it doesn't. It ends leaving you hanging. And I think it's awesome because God's just saying, look, this is reality. And so my challenge to you this week is, look, I want you to have solid theology. 
But if it doesn't reach your heart, you're nothing better than a Pharisees or a Jonah. My favorite professor in college used to always say this, and this is a guy who had memorized a tremendous amount of scripture, probably knew more scripture by memory than any person I've ever met in my life. Used to memorize entire books, okay? And, and, and some of them were Old Testament books. So, I mean, that's like a whole nother level of Bible memory. And I'll never forget, because he used to pray this all the time at the beginning of class. He was dealing with a whole bunch of preachers, a whole bunch of people, master's degrees, working on, on, on master's in biblical studies and just filling their head full of Bible stuff. And he always used to say the same thing when he prayed. He said, Lord, don't give us fat heads. Give us soft hearts. And that's my prayer for us. I, I don't care how much Bible you know. I want to know how much you practice. Okay? I want you to know a lot of Bible. I want you to practice everything you know too. Jonah knew it. When it came to his heart, he didn't live it out. He didn't let it reach, go from his head to his heart to his hands. He kept it in his head. We don't want to do that. So I end this morning with this. A great test of our heart is to look at what angers us. Jonah reminds us that it's easy to have the right theology and never allow it to reach your heart in life. Since God allowed us to experience his love, mercy, kindness, patience, and grace, we have to extend that to others as well. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, Lord it's easy sometimes to put people in categories of friends and enemies. Lord, the reality of it is everybody's in the same category. There are people that you care about. So, Lord, help us to, as you taught, to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind and to love others, Lord, as you do. And, uh, Lord, may people see Christ in us. May we not just talk about it or know it, but may we do it. So use us this week. That person, Lord, who... Really, Lord, we kind of keep putting on. May this be the week that we reach out and not see them as an enemy, but as a person who needs Christ. And uh, use us, Lord, and uh, we will give you the honor and the glory and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen. We're going to stand together.